Hello, and welcome to Fed Talks. I'm your host, DJ Fed Talks. How's everybody doing today? Cool. So, hey, this week, uh, I, I, I'm going to do some recommendations and also talk about, uh, I had a couple of embarrassing interactions, uh, one of which I forgot to talk about last week. So I'm going to do those right up front so I don't forget again. Uh, and I also have another idea for a podcast, and I also want to tell you about an upcoming podcast. Uh, so, look, there's a lot to cover today. This is one of those one of those weeks when I sit down and I know what I'm going to talk about. Uh, so first off, here's me embarrassing myself. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had an we had an ice storm, and they thought it was going to be real bad, and it was only kind of bad. But when, when the weather is really unpleasant and driving's not safe, sometimes I will stay at a hotel that is across the street from my work. Uh, a lot of times that's, that's just safer than having to get home and then back again in the morning on uh, what is occasionally referred to as one of the most dangerous streets in West Michigan. So that's what I did. It, it turned out not to be... I probably could have just made the drive and it would have been fine, but I kind of pulled the trigger on the, on getting a room early because I didn't want to not be able to get one. So the the cool thing about this hotel is they have a, a pool and a hot tub. And so I've got a, a during the winter, I, I have a go bag in my car uh, in case I do need to, you know, in case there is a storm and I need to stay over. And I have a bathing suit in there because, like I said, there's a hot tub. It was February in Michigan. Man, I want to sit in some some nice warm water. So I did that, and I sat, and I enjoyed myself. And the thing is, when you when you leave the pool area, you're right across from the door where people enter the building. Like, you're looking into the lobby when you leave. Which is a, a weird layout, but uh, uh, not, not a huge deal. But I am... Uh, so I pulled on a shirt, but I'm still in my bathing suit because, you know, I can't change into regular pants in the pool area because that involves taking off pants. And you, you understand how changing clothes works. And I am just trying to not disrupt anything in the lobby, just head over to the elevator, get back to my room. And this lady kind of turns the corner and is all of a sudden right, like like, two feet from me. And she says, you have nice legs. And I'm telling you this story not to make you think I have nice legs. Uh, maybe I do. I've been walking 10 miles a day. I've got some calf muscles. If you needed a door kicked down, I could maybe do it. Uh, top half of my body, still absolute garbage. But but the legs are... I'm, get, I'm getting some power in these legs, baby. Uh, but when she said it, I first assumed she was being sarcastic. And I replied, I'm sorry. So not only did I assume a compliment was sarcastic, my default reaction to sarcasm is to apologize for offending her eyes. <laughs> and I think that tells you a lot about me. And then she reiterated that my legs are nice. And then I said, I'm still sorry you had to look at them in a hotel lobby. Because nobody will... You're just trying to check in, man. Um, that was... 
that that one haunts me just because I don't like how I responded. I, it says things about me that are not good. Uh, and then just this weekend, in the I was I was in the gym and I was uh, I was I was in the locker room. There was one other old man in there. Old men love the locker room. And I was kind of gathering up my clothes so I could go to a shower stall and. You, under, you understand how locker rooms work. I don't know why I'm explaining the process of changing clothes twice now in four and a half minutes. Uh, but I had some change in my pocket and from the, the it fell out and, you know, 78 cents in, in change clinked on the linoleum floor and makes quite a racket with nobody else in there. And the old man just yells over, ah, losing your life savings, huh? You know, old man, old man joke. And I, I said something like, yeah, I, I'm falling apart here. He said, well, you let me know when you start throwing around dollar bills. And before I could think, the what came out of me was, if you want me to start throwing around paper money, you're going to have to take your top off. Which is, it's not how I talk. It's not even the kind of joke I think is funny. I don't even think it's a joke. If somebody said that to me, I would roll my eyes and not talk to that person. I don't know why I said it. I'm trying to I'm trying to to be be like I just want the old man in the locker room to like me or something. I don't know. I hate that I said it. But and this is the killer. He laughed harder than anybody has laughed at anything I've ever said in my entire life. I have been doing stand up and improv on and off for for decades never gotten a reaction like I got from this one guy. And then somebody else came into the locker room and the old man says to him, you got to watch out for this guy. He's trouble pointing at me. And I have, I now have a reputation as the locker room cut up. And I'm learning a lot of things about myself and, and, and none of them are good. But now I've shared them and maybe I can stop absolutely obsessing over the fact that I apologized to a woman who I thought was making fun of me. Um, say, so hey, let's talk recommendations. I saw some stuff this week. Uh, first off, we, we, we have to talk about a movie. We have to talk about a movie called Operation Fortune, Russe de Guerre. You have not heard of this movie. I will, if you have, let me know. Unless you follow me on social media where I talked about it. This is a Jason Statham movie. You know how we feel about Jason Statham here. I have a siren I play when there is Jason Statham news. It is actually me making a siren noise. And we haven't had Jason Statham news in a while, so I don't remember what the sound was. Um, is Jason Statham, Aubrey Plaza, Hugh Grant, Carrie Elwes. That is a heck of a cast. Guy Ritchie is the director. Look, I am, I am hot or cold on Guy Ritchie. He's he's very hit or miss with me. Um, but this one is largely free of his ticks that make me not like some of his things. Uh, this is a little more of a, a like it's a it's it's like a light I don't want to say lighthearted because there's a lot of murder in it, but a a it's a take on bond uh, that's a little more free to be silly as evidenced that by the fact that Aubrey Plaza is a secret agent. Uh, but, you know, you can't deny Guy Ritchie is a major director. 
it's playing in every theater in my town. Every single movie theater has it. So this is not a. It was it was harder to see, it was way harder to see Tar than it is to see Operation Fortune. But the point is, I didn't know this movie existed until the day before it opened. I. I'm usually abreast on 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 Jason Statham developments. I know about movies before they came out. I before they come out, I saw no commercials, no trailer, no posters, nobody posting about it on on social media. It just seemingly existed suddenly. It's like they snuck it into theaters and they but they snuck it into a lot of theaters. And the another weird thing is it it apparently did real bad. Uh, again, if I don't know that a Jason Jason Statham movie is coming out, the general public will be completely unaware of it. But uh, last weekend, the the box office was absolutely nuts. The only thing that did decently was Creed three, which opened like twenty million. Great. Second place was four million, and that was a limited release of three consecutive episodes of an anime series uh, that were just being put into some theaters. And it was just three TV episodes, not even a re-edit like they do, do sometimes with, with American shows. It had credit breaks every 22 minutes. Uh, third was Ant-Man, uh, and that's kind of a shockingly bad performance after three weeks. But besides the fact nobody went to theaters last week, uh, Disney Plus's thing where, where the, the Marvel movies probably their other movies too uh, hit streaming after six weeks like honestly if you don't see it in the first two weeks you're probably going to wait for streaming because it, it's expensive my friend Billy's kid loves he loves Marvel stuff he's, he's the only person who wants to talk about it as much as I do I don't think they've seen it yet because to take a family to a movie is expensive and that seems to be what they've decided to do. This is just me defending the box office performance of Ant-Man 3, a movie I like a lot. Anyway, uh, fourth place was Cocaine Bear, a huge drop, drop from last week. But again, the only movie people went to see was Creed. And then fifth place was two episodes of a religious TV show that was getting a theatrical run. It was crazy. So... You had one success, you had two packages of TV episodes and then three recent release drops. And even with that, Operation Fortune could not crack the top five. Uh, all that said, I loved it. I had a lot of fun. Um, it's, you know, I'm a big Statham fan. This is, it's sort of him playing a slightly less exaggerated version of his character from Spy. Like if this came out first, this would this is who Spy is a parody of. Um, Hugh Grant is great as a dirtbag. It's got a fun uh, overall plot where they have to get a a Hollywood celebrity to go on their secret mission because the uh, the villain's kind of obsessed with him, uh, which is very much like the the Nicolas Cage movie, uh, the unbearable weight of mass unbearable weight of massive talent uh, but this was supposed to come out a while ago it was held because the villains were all Ukrainian and I guess they wanted to wait until this whole invasion had blown over 
and it wouldn't look insensitive. And now that it's not blowing over, um, as far as I can tell, they just edited out references to their nationality, and now everybody is just uh, non-specifically Eastern European. Um, so it could very well have beat the Nicolas Cage movie into theaters uh, based on the original plan. I don't, I don't know what they had been shooting for, but it's it certainly would have been in production before people were aware of that movie. Um, but uh, Aubrey Plaza and Jason Statham, they're great together. I love both of them. Um, I was real happy they didn't do the thing where, where like Aubrey Plaza will have would do fight scenes. And yeah, she's actually really good at karate. No, she's a she's the computer person and just kind of a general shit stirrer. Like she's really funny in it, and um, you know they have her doing what she what she does best rather than going, hey, let's have her do some stunts. Um, and it, it does a, it has a lot of it does a lot of things that make it more interesting than it needs to be. Uh, the way the the way the climax is carried out, especially, is really um, there. There's they do some really. I keep saying interesting. I don't really want to give anything away, but it's 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 more clever than you would expect it to be. Um, and also, the one thing is, I think it's meant to be funnier than it is, uh, so because it's got sort of the tone of yeah, we're making jokes, but. Um, it doesn't, it's not as consistently funny as it needs to be for that to be the vibe. But uh, Statham's character is named Orson Fortune, which is a name I will take to my grave. That's going on his list of, uh, I mean, let's be honest, Chev Chelios is still his best character name, but Orson Fortune is, it's up there. Um, so that leads me to a a thing I'm considering is I'm thinking of starting a second podcast that would be a Jason Statham filmography podcast. Uh, partly because I like watching Jason Statham movies. And it'll be fun to talk about with people who either are unfamiliar with him or people who really enjoy them. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I think it would maybe be a good thing to do, or it would be a good thing. Like I need a project that can be explained like I, I don't have the ability to to tell people what this podcast is. I don't know. Um, I can't really explain my my sporadically updated website. My 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 creative presence makes no sense. And this would at least be a thing I could explain to somebody if I'm trying to get somebody I don't know to be a guest. Um um you know, would my most my most uh uh, cohesive project is reading every issue of Daredevil and reviewing them on Instagram is uh, uh, you know maybe I'm not cut out to do things that people will will experience uh, the problem is, and I reached out to some people both uh, past guests past and future guests of this show and people who haven't uh, have I guess they're potentially future guests and I have a few people who are who are enthusiastic about doing an episode. The problem is there's like 40 Jason Statham movies, and there's going to be like 15 of them that nobody wants to do. 
you know, uh, people are are excited about Spy or or the Fast and Furious movies he's in, or two people have already asked about Death Race. Uh, but it's going to be real hard to get through that string of of uh, uh, single word titles that nobody except me remembers. You know, it's, it's going to be get real hard to get somebody to do War or Parker or Redemption or Blitz. Even I'm not specifically sure which one of those is Blitz and which is Redemption. And, you know, even with the people who I know would be good, even if I can convince them to do it twice, that's not going to make a dent in the filmography. So, And there's the issue of making sure a guest can see the movie, because a lot of them aren't currently streaming, and then what am I going to do? Pay for them to rent it on iTunes? It could get very expensive, and I can't figure out the logistics of it, but... It's something I'm thinking of doing. And if you have any bright ideas, let me know. FedTalks at Yahoo.com. That's where you can find me. Um, but hey, let's talk about TV. I have a few new shows that I watch that I'll, I, I can talk about just just a, just a little. Um, I want to pull up my list so I don't forget any. I'm doing a... Okay, here we go. Uh, first off, possibly most important, Party Down Season 3. After 12 years, Party Down is back on stars. Now, I I love Party Down. Uh, I was a, a... I didn't see it when it was originally on because who has stars, right? Uh, I just heard on an interview today that they estimate 13,000 people watched the second season finale. <laughs> and that's the thing that was on TV. Um, but as soon as they hit DVD, I, I watched the hell out of both seasons. And it the new stuff, it is, it's crazy because it they just step back into it so naturally. And most of the cast got real big after that show. You know, Adam Scott and Jane Lynch and Megan Mullally and uh, uh, Lizzie Kaplan is not on the revival unless they sneak her in towards the end. Uh, but it's specifically addressed that she's not there and she was working on something and uh, which is a bummer but uh, you know every you you got you got Ken Marino as Ron Donald what more what more do you want the saddest man in in catering right there um it is they have both some new characters and they've uh, some of the old characters are not involved in catering anymore, which, you know, I think is a, a it, it would be a bummer if everybody was still at the catering company 12 years later. Uh, and in fact, Adam Scott, who's kind of the, the main character, is not uh, specifically involved in catering when the, uh, for the season premiere, the season premiere happens immediately pre-COVID, and then it jumps forward in time. Uh, but then, in as of the second episode, he's back with Party Down, the company, not the show. I guess and the show also, but that I thought that was clear from context. Uh, because he's he's getting divorced, and he needs a second job to make ends meet. And yeah, economic reality. Go out to California sometime. You're not you're not making it on one job if you're. 
unless you're very successful. Uh, and uh, uh, Ryan Hansen's character, Kyle, had a almost had his acting career take off and then he he blew it. Um, and Martin Starr's character seemingly has just never stopped catering, which just adds to his 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 wonderful level of bitterness. Um, it's yeah, it's two episodes in as I record this. It's it's really funny. It's just it's it's hitting the beats that that you remember it hitting. It is it's still so sharp. Um, it's. It, it's so clever and just funny and sad. Um, a couple of fun additions to the to the cast this season. Uh, uh, and the name, the actor's name will mean nothing to you and probably his credit won't either because I think I'm, uh, uh, Sam and I are the only ones who watch the show. But uh, uh, Terrell Jackson-Williams is a new employee of Party Down and uh, it took me, it took me uh, almost to the end of the second episode to recognize him because his hair is, is uh, uh, kind of kind of uh, dyed blonde and cornrowed, so it's very different from how he looked. Uh, the show I know him from, where he played Charles on Brockmire, a show where he was very funny and he's very funny here. So I was very happy to see my Brockmire friend. Uh, also, Jennifer Garner is a regular this season. Guys, I love Jennifer Garner. I was a big Alias fan. She seems to be like the nicest person. Uh, uh, part of the reason I don't like Ben Affleck is he's been so kind of openly shitty to her, both in their marriage and after. She just, I see her and I'm just so immediately happy. I'm like, yeah, you got it. You, you get it, Jen. And so I am... I am thrilled to see her here. And uh, guess what? She plays a guy whose douchebag husband cheats on her. So uh, I don't remember if Ben cheated on her or not. I feel like he definitely did, though. It's just a matter of whether we know about it. But she's wonderful. It's It makes me so happy to see, see these guys again and have it feel like it did. Which is an achievement when you consider it. When it was on, it was you know, 2009, 2010. And there weren't streaming services. There were, there were fewer things to watch and you could watch things over and over. It just really like those, those, you know, 20 episodes are very close to my heart. Cause I just watch them over and over. And I, I don't have that luxury of like any show anymore, but this just feels so, you know, sometimes the, the new stuff, uh, I, I think you should leave is kind of a good example of this. I, 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 I think that's a tremendous show all around, but because of the gap between seasons and having the the uh, quarantine in there and the fact that it was a six episode season of fifteen minute episodes, I watched those first six so many times, and then when the new ones come, it's like, uh it's almost weird because they're not those six episodes that you've memorized. And, you know, you give them a chance to get into your soul. And it's like, oh, yeah, I love these too, but I, I probably will not watch these a hundred times because that is less possible now because it, 
more stuff has popped up to watch and I can leave the house sometimes. But th this, it you know, it feels like the same people making the show they want to make and just killing it. I love Party Down. Um, a, a thing I, I like less, although it has potential, uh, History of the World Part 2, which was is the Hulu miniseries sequel to Mel Brooks's movie, um, which ends with a tease for History of the World Part 2, Jews in Space. Um, and, man, I want to like this. Uh, it is, if you look at the credits, like, so many really talented and funny writers are writing it, and the cast is everybody who's funny. Like, you know, just in the in the first episode, in roles of varying sizes, you see, uh, um, you, you got uh, uh, you got uh, Johnny Knoxville. I don't know why he's the first person I thought of. Uh, uh, Danny DeVito, Tim Simons, uh, Ike Barinholtz, Nick Kroll, Wanda Sykes, uh, Lisa Gilroy, Drew Tarver, uh, Mitra Juhari, Nat Natalie Morales, uh, um, uh, Seth Morris, like just Andrew Secunda, just this just lineup of people who, uh, Lauren Lapkus, I can't believe I forgot to say her since she is the bright spot. You know, it's just all these, and, and I've seen some of what's coming up, and it's, you know, just a lot of, honestly, a lot of people who are comedy podcast adjacent. So, you know, they're people I already spend a, a lot of time with and love very much. Here's the thing. It is not that funny. It feels like very talented people trying to write Mel Brooks material. And... It's 2023, and that sort of, you know, there's a there's a corniness to it that, if it's not authentic to you, comes off as patronizing, maybe? Like, that's the kind of thing Mel Brooks can write, because that's genuinely what he thinks is the funniest stuff. But if you're trying to write like Mel Brooks for the purpose of writing like him, it, it doesn't click, I guess. Um... There were, and, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's comedy. So your mileage may vary. You might find it, you know, I, I talked to people who thought the, the Kumail Nanjiani thing about the soup and the Kama Sutra was, was hysterical and it, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Um, the, the bits that I, I've only watched the first episode. There's four out as I record this, there'll be eight by the end of the week. Um, the, the things that I thought were very funny were uh, uh, Tim Simons from Veep playing Lincoln. And the whole joke about Lincoln is that he's so tall he keeps hurting himself. And, and Timothy Simons is so good at that sort of uh, barely concealed rage when things go wrong. Like every time he hits his head, it's just he's that much closer to exploding. And he's very funny. And as a tall man, I find things like my arms are basically legs to be a funny thing to say. Uh, and then also Lauren Lapkus is a woman pretending to be a man so she can work in Shakespeare's, Shakespeare's writer's room. And, 
you know, I just think she's one of the funniest people alive. And her pretending to be a man is is kind of funny already because she's got that sort of big, wide-eyed sort of look of guilt all the time. But every time she tries to... The thing I laughed at the hardest the entire time was uh, when somebody questions whether she's a man and she... No, I'm a man. My penis itches. I laughed so hard at my penis itches. And I think somebody says, boy, I didn't believe him, but that clinched it. Um, she is so funny. Uh, and then like Drew Tarver and Lisa Gilroy, who I think are, are both just hilarious. They're funny, but they have no lines in their, in their big scene where they play Hitler and Eva Braun. Um, and it's, it's funny pantomime, but having Drew talk as Hitler would have been, it, it's a missed opportunity because he's got his, his, his accent that can't not be Georgia. Um, it's, it feels like a missed opportunity, but, uh, I was talking to Sam about it and he reminded me that, uh, a couple of good bits every half hour is kind of the, the, uh, the overall score on the on the original movie. Um, if you have fond memories of that uh, from childhood, it was clearly pitched at us when we were children. I guess our parents when we were children. It's it's quite an old movie, but if you watch it when you're eleven to fourteen, it's the funniest thing in the world. Um, not, not yeah. There's a couple things that hold up now. And maybe that's how it'll be. I'll get through these episodes and find the, you know, the two or three things that make me laugh. Uh, so not really a recommendation, but I'm going to watch them because I like everybody involved. And I guess they, they're, uh, one of the episodes that's already out, they did cast uh, African-American comedian George Wallace as notorious racist Alabama governor George Wallace, which, you know what, that's really funny. You don't need anything else. That's that's just a funny joke. Um, and the other thing I was going to talk, and this ended up taking a very long time, so I'm going to be real short, and I'll talk about it more in the future. But uh, uh, my my good friend uh, Perry Mason is back on HBO for a second season. Uh, you have perhaps heard me address Perry Mason on this show before, where. Uh, during the height of lockdown when I lost my mind and got really depressed and was sleeping, you know, four or five hours a week, I just kept watching the first season of Perry Mason over and over to the extent that I have seen it more than 50 times. And uh, uh, even when you put out my me- put my mental illness aside, it was a good show. I really like it. And... Uh, really liking the new one it's you know it's set in the in sort of immediately post-world war ii and perry mason's just a just a he's just a a a sad sad man like you know he's sort of the paragon of virtue in the old series and he became a lawyer out of necessity in the first season and with this season after his his big court win was a mistrial and now he's moved into civil law because it's easier (laughs) and he's just doing these petty disputes and he's just going through the motions 
and I can't wait to see him get all invested. It's Matthew Reese, Matthew Reese from the Americans, who's great, but he plays better sad sacks than anybody. Like, even in the Americans, when he's a cool spy, his wife is a million times cooler than him, and it makes him just look like the dumpiest loser in the world by comparison. It's so funny. Um, so I'm excited. I'll talk more about it when we've got a couple more episodes under our belt. But uh, love and Perry Mason so far. I, I also started watching Shrinking. Um, I like that. I feel weird about liking it because uh, uh, Tim Baltz thinks they stole his show Shrink. Which, just by the title, sounds like it. But uh, I, I didn't watch... I haven't watched his show since it was on CISO, which it would have been six years ago now. So I need to watch it and see if it if it's a valid comparison or if... I mean, he has more inside information than I do, but I, I'd like to be loyal to Tim Baltz, but also Shrinking's pretty good. And guess what? Harrison Ford is actually putting forth effort, which um, that's been a while. I, I like him in uh, uh, Force Awakens, but you know, in the Blade Runner sequel where he's wearing his sweatpants from home or the uh, when he turns up in, in in Rise of Skywalker and Ghost Han Solo suddenly just has a beard when the original, when he never did when he was alive because Harrison Ford couldn't be bothered to shave. Um, and those are kind of his big roles of the last five years. He he isn't not generally that engaged. And he's, he's actually fun to watch. He's funny here, which eh, that's been a long time. We'll talk about that later. This episode has run on long, and I need to get to the franchise report. Guys, uh, we're in Aliens and Police Academy. I watched Alien 3. Alien 3 holds a special place in my heart. It is the only R-rated movie I ever snuck into. It came out two weeks before my 17th birthday. And me and a group of friends went, and I was so scared of getting caught that I made my friend Jane get my ticket. She is was was and is, it turns out, four months younger than me. So it would not have gone any better if they carded her, but she was an adult when we were in high school. And I realize that saying that as a middle-aged man, it sounds like I'm being creepy. And I don't mean it that way. She did, she did look older than us dorks, but she just seemed like a grown-up. Like... It seemed like maybe if you if you saw her with the rest of us idiots, you would you would ask her about estate planning. Like she just sort of had it together without this any of this high school awkwardness, or at least was able to hide it. But uh, you know, she just she just seemed like a professional who was somehow hanging out with kids for some weird reason. Like, maybe maybe she was running a focus group that we were in. She just had that air of being a grown-up. Um, you know what? Jane's good people, too. We, we kind of... I wish I had done a better job staying in touch after she got married and had so many children who are giants now. Uh, but every time I interact with her, it is always, it's, always, it's always nice. And I ran into her at a restaurant a couple years ago, and it, was, it made me so happy. 
Uh, and she she won't listen to this, but I, I hope she knows I have nothing but warm feelings for her. And uh, maybe we'll hang sometime. Um, but uh, uh, so that was the only R-rated movie I ever snuck into. I had not seen the first two Alien movies, so a lot of stuff was lost on me seeing it in the theater, but it was very exciting and forbidden. I don't think I've watched it since theaters. And in my head, I kind of had an idea of it being bad. But you know what? I really liked it. Uh, David Fincher's first movie, I don't... David Fincher is kind of a net neutral for me. Some of his stuff I like, some of it I just don't enjoy at all. Uh, it's, you know, it's fine. Uh, I know he hates this movie, but his best movie's Gone Girl, no question about it, but that's that's a topic for another day. Um, but and it 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 sucks that the other survivors of aliens die off screen in cryo sleep. Like it, they killed the little girl and the one soldier who survived. It really just cuts the legs out from under that ending. And uh, look, there's a lot of a lot of fun character actors on that prison planet where she ends up. Uh, it was cool to see Charles Dance, who is known to me now as Tywin Lannister on Game of Thrones, and we also saw him in the James Bond rewatch in uh, uh, For Your Eyes Only. Uh, and it's weird to see him young. Like, I mean, he's not young, young, but, you know, this was 30 years ago, so he's he's... Oh, maybe a little older than me. Uh, I mean, you got Charles S. Dutton. Uh, Paul McGann is in it. He He's the second Doctor Who we've seen in the Alien series so far. Uh, John Hurt, the War Doctor, is in the first one. And Paul McGann, the Eighth Doctor, is here. Um, Hoyt McCallany, before he's anybody. Um, a couple of... Th this one... So far, all of the ones I've I've watched, I got a, a Blu-ray set of the four main Alien movies, and all of them have had an option to watch a uh, a special edition. And like the second one is kind of a famous special edition with a lot of background that I have not been watching the special editions because I don't need extra background about the colony. But it sounds like this one the the. Uh, the other has a lot more stuff about the other the convicts and there's some subplots and, and uh, there's more Paul McGann going crazy and living in the tunnels and I might actually go back and watch the special edition after I finish the Alien series because it's kind of intriguing um, there's some it's weird because David Fincher is usually known for being meticulous and this one like, I like it better than most of his movies, but it is sloppy in some places. Like, uh, her the, her crashed ship, every time she returns to it over the course of the movie, it's, it's more, it's in better shape. And these guys are not fixing up a ship while an alien's trying to kill them. It's, the, the continuity is real shaky. Uh, and, and, uh, there's, you can see where a lot of subplots got dropped because suddenly there is a character who 
can't possibly exist and yet does. Um, but we're, I don't want to pick that too. Just it's interesting because he has this reputation for meticulousness, and this thing is shaggy. But I really like it. I you know the deaths at the beginning and at the end are sort of mean spirited, but I think Sigourney Weaver just wanted out and. It's genuinely pretty funny. Like there is a, um, at, at one point when they're they're trying to figure out how to kill the alien, and one plan goes wrong. The, like the the warden's assistant, just says just just, kind of looks out over a railing, and he says in a very funny way, "Well, I'm out of ideas," and it's almost a George Costanza delivery. I laughed so hard. Uh, so far, this alien rewatch has been going well. I also watched Police Academy 2, which is when I saw as a kid. It was a big slumber party entry. Um, so I talked to some people about Police Academy after the last, last after I watched the first one. Uh, uh, notably, friend of the, uh, I was going to say friend of the pod, but I know him in real life. Uh, Tim and a uh, friend of the pod who I know from Twitter, Sketchy TK. Um, I do not know Sketchy's real name, and probably I shouldn't say it if he doesn't use it online. I should keep it out of my goddamn mouth, right? Uh, but they both noted that these were these movies were on HBO all the time in our youth, uh, and that uh, so for a generation they were huge because they were just always on TV. If your family had HBO, and I think maybe part of that might be. Uh, part of the reason why they stopped being made was HBO didn't have any more use for them. And uh, um, I guess it, they would not have that cultural context for me because my family was poor. And we I didn't have HBO until I was 27 years old and a homeowner. And even then, I felt like I needed to get permission before I, I got HBO. It seemed a wild indulgence. Um, here's the thing about Police Academy 2 it is not good but I did laugh at it I laughed at it way more than the first movie which has by my count two jokes um, I honestly enjoyed it more than the episode of History of the World Part 2 that I watched there are actual jokes in it uh, there's some great supporting like you get start getting some great uh, character actors in there. You've got uh, uh, Tim Kazarinski, who's gonna be popping up. He plays a merchant with no name in this one, but he eventually becomes a cop in future movies, which I remember from having seen as a child. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait is the leader of a biker gang, and I think now uh, Bobcat is a very interesting uh, performer and creator. Like his, the stuff he writes and directs is not all of it is to my taste, but it's usually like it, it's interesting. Like you're glad he tried something. And I know he's kind of embarrassed by his whole, you know, phase. I almost, I thought of talking like him then decided not to, but he's legitimately funny in this. And, you have to imagine that, like, in 1985, it was super unnerved. Like, it's a little bit menacing without the context of knowing this guy is a stand-up doing a bit. Like, oh, his character's kind of scary. Um, the 
like I said, it's not Howard Hesseman. He's funny in it. It's I, I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying I did laugh at some of the jokes. And there is one that I think is fantastic where basically they're they're inside uh, uh, Sweet Chuck's store, which is selling only the most breakable items. And through a series of accident of tripping and accidental discharge of weapons, they just break stuff in this store for maybe like five minutes straight. And it just keeps getting dumber and that makes it funnier. And the best part for me is besides just the audaciousness of just having, there are a mi one million lamps. Like it's, there are dozens of chandeliers hanging from the ceiling. It's just a breakable store. But at some point, Things are, are are breaking when there is no reason for them to have broken. Like the, 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 the prop guys are just squibbing things that are not in the line of fire. Um, chandeliers drop from the ceiling for no reason. And uh, that's the kind of uh, uh, like blood pack goes wrong on SNL kind of thing that just makes me laugh. Um, I don't anticipate getting much more enjoyment uh but this you know what this one again not saying good i'm saying i laughed i did not laugh at the first one i laughed twice at the entire first movie this six, six or seven times i got a an actual laugh out of me um also it was since i'd never seen the first one before there were a bunch of characters i didn't know and I couldn't figure out why I only remembered some of them. And it's, well, only six characters of the new recruits come over to the second movie. Uh, Kim Cattrall does not come back. Uh, and um, amazingly, uh, the guy whose bit was that he was pretending to be Latino is not in the second movie. Also, second movie comes out one year after the first. This That thing was a huge hit. That's... First one made $150 million in 1984 money. This one made 115, so there's still, and it cost about $90 to make total. Um, oh yeah, uh, Steve Gutenberg's partner, who is a big slob who lives in a disgusting apartment and has a big dog, that made me laugh. When he has to go undercover and they strap a Mr. Microphone to his chest, you know what, that's funny. I hate myself, but you know what? I I was not miserable watching Police Academy 2. I don't know who I am anymore. Uh, man, this went a long time. Uh, I want to mention our sponsor, TeasedbySummer.com. Absolutely great stuff. Buy something. I'm blazing through it because I have a thing I want to promote who is not a sponsor. Uh, the, the contract with TeasedbySummer.com is extremely specific. I cannot have any other sponsors unless I get unless I hear from Manscaped. And then I will be able to accept their money and do ads about personal shavers and ball deodorant. But friend of the show, Haley, is launching a podcast of her own on Friday of this week. Uh, uh, she mentioned it on her, the last time she appeared on the Best of 2022 episode. Uh, she and her her friend whose name I cannot remember and I want to say it's Justin but I think maybe because of the Prime Minister I think all Canadian men are named Justin I don't know and I apologize I'll have it for you next week 
uh, ADHD DVD is the title of their show, and they are going to watch all the movies that they bought and failed to watch, uh, which is a thing I, I get. I, I have a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays that I will probably never watch, and I've got a problem with physical media. And it is heartening to see to me to see that young people also have this problem, and it's not because I'm a dinosaur. But I would imagine they're going to end up watching some truly. Look, if I ha if I did a show where all I did was watch the uh, watch and review the Allison Brie movies I bought while drunk and then never watched, um, it'd be a wild ride. So I I'm I'm super excited. Um, you know she is a great guest. Uh, and look, they've done some things right off the bat. Uh, their show has a premise. Uh, they have a host. I'm going to assume both hosts are are likable people with whom you whom you wish to hear. Uh, and they they have a clever title that is not a play off of the host's name in a world where nobody knows the host's name. So honestly, they're doing everything right. That'll be out. The first episode will be out this Friday. Um, you'll be able to get it on Apple because they also figured out how to do that way before I figured it out in the life of this show. It took me like three months. So look for that. Um, hopefully I will have them on a future episode to talk about it and maybe watch a TV show that we haven't, that none of us have seen uh, to fit the theme of both podcasts. So check that out. Um, listen to them while you're ordering from teasebysummer.com. Uh, email the show, fedtalks at yahoo.com. Uh, Twitter at EJFedis. Instagram at EJ underscore Fettis, where I am hip deep in the daily daredevil. Um, I just... Daredevil's been in L.A. for like three issues now as I'm recording this, and it has been unbearable. These issues... Look, I know at some point it's going to get good, and I don't know if the gimmick of me reviewing it in three sentences works when it's good. But after the last few issues, I saw Stiltman on the cover of the issue I'm reading tomorrow, and I said, thank God, Stiltman. So that's how, how badly things have fallen. Uh, Theapehive.com, where I'll have my... Uh, I'm doing monthly updates on all the Daredevils that I read. If you don't if you just want my macro thoughts rather than two-sentence reviews of every issue. Um, and that's about it. Next week is going to be a guest a guest episode. We are going to talk about Better Off Ted, two seasons, ABC, 2009 through 2010. Uh, it's very fun. It's on Hulu. Check it out, or else we'll talk about it and convince you to check it out. That's all I've got. I'm sorry this was so long. I will be back next week with a guest and with our friends Ted and 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 Portia de Rossi Veronica that's the name of her character on the show uh, and Phil and Lem and we're going to have a great time see you then Fed Talks is a Faux Boys production wah, 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 wah.